good, Defenders Nation. Huh. Not a lot, to be perfectly honest. You know my voice. I am the mouth of the South Bay. J.R. Liebert, the scarf. And I wish I could get more excited after watching that last match. But what I am excited about is that sitting across from me right now here in the heart of Screenland, beautiful Culver City, California, is my partner in pod. You know him as one of several nicknames he likes to give himself, the beast from the East Coast, the toast of the East Coast, the host with the most. I, I don't even know which one he's going to use today, but Christian Philly, fill him on, everybody. How about sad and old and not really feeling black and gold bold? <laughs> I, I like that. So I appreciate you saying that you're, you're, you're happy to still be with me here and doing this pod. But like you said, not too many good things here in black and gold land. No, sir. Today is the podcast where we commiserate and exercise our demons. Ugh. Two losses in a row. I wonder if this is what it feels like to run an FC Cincinnati podcast. Oh. Well, I doubt we'll ever have like 35 straight losses in a row, but it still stings nonetheless. And that's what we're here for, Defenders. We're here to talk about the good, which really wasn't much. We're here to talk about the bad, which was an awful lot. And we're here to exercise the demons and commiserate together. Why? Because misery certainly does love company. <laughs> yeah, you know, congrats, by the way, to FC Cincinnati. There you go. <laughs> It's uh, that kind of night. Congrats to FC Cincinnati, though. They opened their new stadium. What is it? TQL Stadium, I think it is, right? In uh, Cincinnati. You you had your buddy was there, right, for the first match? He was. He got to see a former LAFC player starting between the pipes, and we're talking about Kenneth Vermeer. I, I think maybe Kenneth's night might have been the only night that was worse than anybody on LAFC tonight. You know, it, w- it was a hopeful weekend, Philly. You got to come see one of my favorite haunts, the uh, the bullpen in Westchester, California, where I like to purchase my soccer cards. We, we had a good time with uh, our buddy Mitch there, who does nothing but make fun of the scarf every single time <laughs> I walk in. His first two words to me every time I walk in, oh, hey, go Galaxy. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, that's, that's great. And now he found a, a new buddy to turn me into a punching bag with here with Philly. So that was a lot of fun to have you guys gang up on me while we were at the bullpen. Now, if we had a, uh, if we were going to celebrate a win today, I'd probably gang up and say some of the funnier things that Mitch and I were saying to you. But eh, we're just going to leave that and table it for another conversation. But yeah, as if I, my addictions weren't weren't high enough in the sense that spent all these money on soccer jerseys, and now you totally turned me on to MLS trading cards. I bought three of these hobby boxes over the course of the last week or two, and much to Panda's chagrin. She is not happy. She's not happy, but, but she's participating in opening the packs. No, she is participating in opening the wrestling packs oh, more that's than true anything too. else. Those are the other sets of trading cards that started to collect. <laughs> so needless to say, my money is going in such tremendous places. Yeah, and you know, we all have all this money to throw around right now. Oh wait, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm still broke. Philly's still broke. We're all still broke. All right, but... LAFC during the match tried to brighten our day up a little bit. We were watching the match and it was you and me and Panda and Panda turns to us and says, Oh, Hey guys, we're in about the, what the 65th minute or so 70th minute. She goes, Hey, I just got an email that, you know, we might be selected for tickets. So we got to log in on Monday between nine and 11. I see what you're doing. LAFC. It's the shell game. You're trying to get us not to focus on the game that was on the television, and to start focusing on the fact that maybe, just maybe, we're going to get to be at the bank for the next match. Yeah, very, very cheeky, very, very clever. 
as if the game couldn't have been worse enough. We get the email, having a login between 9 and 11, as if, you know, us being broke and whatnot in this day and age and trying to, like, hustle to make a buck to pay for our trading card and jersey habits. <laughs> uh, now, hold on. Let's be honest. Those are first-world problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, It, it is a good thing that we're able to do that. It's but, a working you know. hours, man. Working hours, 9 to 11. So I got to tell my client, hey, hold on a second. Before I manage your money, uh, I got to go... Take care of these tickets. Amanda has got to be in the operating room telling the patient who, hopefully if she's got a good anesthesiologist, I'll be right back. I got to go take care of some tickets. 9 to 11, LAFC, come on. During the beginning hours of work, come on. And sending that email out during a lousy game, I like the bait and, uh, like, nah, it's not bait and switch so much, but it's, uh, hey, take your mind off that. Here's that. But, yo, I don't even know if we're going to be sitting in our own section. We are not. Actually, we are sure we will not be sitting in Founders. So, I mean, that doesn't make me happy. We spent all this money to sit in a section that we don't even get to sit in. Better not be paying the same amount of money for those tickets. Nah, that we you, you know do. we won't be. But the other thing is this. We've had some really good experience with our ticket reps. We know if we reach out to either of them, which, by the way, I got to see both our ticket reps at the Angels City event that they held all throughout Los Angeles on Saturday. I was over at Venice Beach for their first one and then over at Oakwood Recreation Center for their second one. Ms. Yellow, the artist, was designing their their street team van, which looked like that was going to be pretty cool. Got to see Haley and Alex and a couple of great street team members for Angels City. And, you know, just got to get more excited about what's going to be coming in 2022. More opportunities to spend more money. Well, I I do want to say, though, Haley did put everything in perspective, too. She said it's going to be great because it just gives us 12 more reasons to be at the bank, which, you know what? She's absolutely right, and, and I can't wait to be able to spend more time. You and I already have our deposits down for Angel City FC. Of course, the ladies run Angel City Chicks, so make sure to check them out at Angel City Chicks for their podcast, which will hopefully be happening again yeah. sometime well, soon. Well, well, why don't you tell them the, 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 the millions and millions, the story about how like you were recognized recently on a, on a couple of occasions. Twice but not, now. But not for being a host of an LAFC podcast called Defenders of the Bank. You are known as what? The eye candy of the Angel City Chicks. I mean, let's be very clear. Nobody is mistaking me for eye candy anytime soon. <laughs> I'm more like a, I don't know, a disheveled fruit roll up at this point. I don't know, but yeah, I was to some is still satisfying <laughs> to very few. I, uh, I was stopped and someone said, Hey, wait a minute. You're, uh, you're, you're with the defenders of the bank, right? And I said, yeah, yeah. She goes, yeah, I, I thought I recognized you cause, cause you're with the angel city chicks. I listen to them all the time. And, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, um, I also have a podcast, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It's fine. No, but yeah, these are the twice now. Um, it's been really great to ask, uh, to be asked about, Hey, when are the, uh, when are the angel city chicks putting out, putting out something else? Not soon enough is what I have to tell them. Let's get into this day in LAFC history. It's going to be a short one on May 16th because, of course, we are recording this on May 16th, 2021, two years prior. May 16th, 2019, LAFC defeats FC Dallas at the bank 2-0 behind goals from, wait for it, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. LAFC, this is an incredible stat, especially after having watched the game we just saw. LAFC outshot Dallas 27-7, to and Dallas could not find a single shot on target. It's amazing what can happen when you start two designated players up top. And Philly, the crazy thing about that, if you look at the roster for that game, it was only two years ago, literally two years ago 
show to the day. So many things have changed from that lineup. The back line featured Walker Zimmerman, Stephen Betashore, and Jordan Harvey starting in front of Tyler Miller, Christian Ramirez starting at one forward, and even LAFC's three subs who played that day are no longer in black and gold. Lee Wynn, Andre Horta, and the much missing and lamented Adama Diamande. In fact, the other three field players on the bench are also gone. Daniela Silva retired, and Mohamed El Munir and Josh Perez are playing elsewhere. The turnover in just two years is pretty incredible. But again, LAFC defeating Dallas 2-0 two years ago, May 16th. 2019 at Bank of California Stadium. We will be talking about Dallas a little later on in the podcast. Philly, a player who we weren't sure where they were going to land next, Dayan Yakovic. And I swear to God, this is a real thing, guys. He's back in professional football in the Canadian Premier League. Canadian Premier League. Yes, there is a Canadian Premier League. And we did have an LAFC player go to the Canadian we Premier did. League. We Quillen did. Roberts. Y'all remember Quillen Roberts? No. Of course you didn't. He was the fourth string keeper Never on, on our team. Never, Never played. played in, in, 20, in 2018. Dejan Yakovic signs with Forge FC of the CPL, the Canadian Premier League. Sure. Second oldest player now in the league. The Hammers, as they are called, are looking to win the North Star Shield <laughs> for the third season in a row. Look, I wrote something kind of nerdy with that one, Philly. When I read North Star Shield, all I thought about was, and my nerds out there that listen to this, this one's maybe to Dexter and y'all right there, buddy? Yeah. All right. Emotional so pain. When uh, when I mentioned this, when I thought about this, I thought of Dexter and maybe some LAFC punk and any of my other comic book nerds out there, maybe Cadence, not sure if, you, if you're going to get this reference, but I imagine you might. Alpha Flight. Thought about Alpha Flight, the Canadian X-Men Winning the North Star Shield sounds like something that uh, the Guardian would use to protect himself out there for Alpha Flight. Shout out to John Byrne. We know you listen to the podcast, the creator of Alpha Flight. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a while since we've done all those ridiculous shout outs. That was fun to do. Alpha Flight, the comic book, if you had that on your Defenders bingo sheet. We're trying to bring back some of the fun stuff, guys, because this was a pretty depressing damn game. So, Exercising the demons by way of finding humor. Look, you know what? What I also found humorous, Philly, is Major League Soccer. That was a smooth segue. Major League Soccer released the salaries for all 20, <coughs> what do we have now? 26 teams, 25. That, that We have 27 teams, I think, right now. The Athletic. It was a great article, Philly, when they talked about the salaries outlining both team and individual player salaries for the 2021 season. A few holes in the article because some of the numbers haven't been updated yet. For instance, Edward Atuesta's new one-year deal not reflected on there, although he's doing pretty well for himself and Jefferson Soteldo from TFC. But they can buy a lot of MLS hobby boxes. They can certainly More buy a so lot of than you and I put yeah, together. Oh my goodness, pretty easily. We do know who the highest paid player in the league is. Of course, it is Carlos Vela, 6.3 million Philly in total compensation, which is about 6.24 million dollars more than I'm going to stand to make this year. So Carlos Vela, congrats, highest paid player in the league. And of course, Philly, the only other player at 6 million or more right now also does play in Los Angeles County. Chicharito, number two at 6 million, and Miami is currently on the hook for the third highest player salary. Gonzalo Iguahin, who all of a sudden is starting to earn that money for More the fighting goals, David man. Beckhams, looks pretty good. But Philly, how about Diego Rossi? Talk hey, about a bargain. Dude, a million, $1.05 million 
Telling you Diego Rossi's salary right now is like Dr. Evil in the first Austin Powers <laughs> trying to hold the world ransom for $1.05 million. Dude, 62nd in MLS, three spots ahead of Brian. Oh, I like to start fist fights with my teammates in Spain. Brian. We'll get to that in a minute. He also just makes a little over a million bucks. But here's, here's a shocker. We talked about him earlier. Kenneth Vermeer. LAFC's fourth highest paid player, $765,000. Then we have Atuesta, Pancho, and Kim Moon Juan, all three of those boys, over 500K. Philly got a question for you. When you were 16, 17 years old, looking for that, I don't know, was it a paper route or was it a, some door-to-door job, some summer lawn mowing job, whatever it was, I don't think you were making over $80,000 when you were 16 or 17, Philly. No, going back to training cards, I was just trying to find ways to like raise a dollar and put those... Uh, Get some tops. Tra- yeah, put those trading cards in the bike spokes. Oh, no, my we God. didn't do that. That's that's a generation like or two older than we were. Yes. I never put baseball cards in my spokes. You brought it up. I didn't. But yeah, yeah, right. How about Tony Leone, who still has not appeared in an official game for LAFC? He's making $83,000. Christian awesome. Torres, 91000 And Eric Duaneus. Over $92,000, nothing but <laughs> Not love bad. for those teenagers. Please save your money and do well with it. You are absolutely doing very well for yourself. As a team, LAFC spends the sixth most in Major League Soccer, just under $15 million. Miami, the biggest spender at 17.8, with much of it from that giant Iguain contract. Toronto FC's number now, probably not right. They're probably pretty easily number one in the league. But again, the Jefferson's Hotelda signing, not on there. They're at 17.1 million. They're at number two. The Carson Galaxy of LA County are followed by Atlanta and FC Cincinnati, the fifth highest spending team. I think they've got to make some returns before some of the product expires. <laughs> Not quite getting what they paid for. How about Columbus? They're only eighth in the league in spending at $13.5 million. They won MLS Cup last year. And Seattle, down in 12th. 12th. And, yet they, and they consistently find ways to win, what, since 2009? Yep. The most trophies in MLS? Yep. And, and basically like doing this at a bargain discount. Yeah. Way to go. How about last year's Supporter Shield winners? Third from the bottom in expenditures at $9.34 million. So basically, Carlos Vela and a half <laughs> is what their entire team cost. But I, I did say the one good thing, Philly, the bottom line is that across the board, salaries are going up, both for the top-tier players and, more importantly, for those players on the bottom of the roster. So congrats to these MLS players. They, they deserve to be making a really good living doing this. They usually bring us quite a bit of joy. Not so much today, but Philly, you kind of touched on it already. <laughs> Your boy. I Look, I thought he was coming back to LAFC because I didn't think that they were going to want him in Almeria. Now, by the way, I'm sure they don't want him in Almeria, <laughs> but I also don't think he's coming back to LAFC. He said the words, I want to be back in Peñarol pretty loudly into a microphone. Over the weekend, Almeria drew 1-1 on Saturday versus Albacete, the last place team in the table. Brian, in a surprise to no one, did not start. He came on in the 66th minute in place of, unfortunately, the goal scorer in the match for Almeria, Jose Carlos Lasso. 
And in about the 86th minute or so, Brian and a teammate got into a pretty heated argument about who would take a free kick. The temper tantrum thrown by the newly turned 20-year-old likely sealed his fate with Almeria, even if they do win the promotion tournament. I got a couple of stats, and then we're going to go into our last little segment, our LAFC X player roundup, and then we'll talk about the game. Do we have to? We, I mean, it's kind of what we do. Brian Rodriguez has been eligible for selection, Philly, in 16 matches for Almeria. 16 matches. He's played in 13 of them. He's played just under 400 minutes and started only four of those 13 matches. Zero goals, one assist, and he's only played 30 minutes or more four times since he has come over. Almeria has won just two of those 13 matches he has played in. In the three matches where Almeria chose not to play Brian Rodriguez, Philly, what is their record? <laughs> They're undefeated. 3-0. and Dude, is, look, I, it, can't, it can't be a talent thing. It, it really, really can't. Clearly, there's a personality conflict, and he, he, he blew his lid over the course of the past match. Yeah. He's not getting utilized. It's got to be frustrating for him. His talent is there. His, his maturity levels... Probably not there, not there either. For a guy who can play and get selected for Uruguay, one of the top international teams in the world, for him not to be able to crack the starting lineup for a team like Almeria, look, who the hell has heard of Almeria that is a huge football fan around here? I'm sorry. I don't know every La Liga 2 team. Just as I don't expect many of you to know who the third Bundesliga teams are. There are too many teams out there. But this guy who scores with Uruguay cannot crack this lineup. It's, it can't be talent. It's got to be personality. And clearly, he's not going to be welcome back there. Uh, we're probably not going to take him back. He said he wants to get better and continue to develop, but he wants to go somewhere where he's appreciated. He's not going to be appreciated here. Not by John Thorrington. Probably not by Bob. Probably not by his teammates because he forced a hand to move. And definitely not by our fan base. If he wants to go back to Peñarol, fantastic. It's not his talent that puts him in the position that he's in. It has to be his maturity levels. And this is another indication that while Brian Million, by Brian Million, while Brian Rodriguez may be worth a million dollars in terms of his contract for his playing ability, his mentality is probably worth a buck. Here's the thing. I'm going to throw something out that a lot of people don't like about Major League Soccer DPs, but looking at Brian Rodriguez's numbers, no matter where he played, and keep in mind he played some of these matches when he was like 17, 18 years old. He played 26 matches with Peñarol, three goals, nine assists. Played 34 matches with LAFC, three goals, eight assists. In his 12 matches with Almeria, zero goals, but at least one assist. In his career, he has three times as many assists as he has goals. Yeah. What if we're looking at him, we meaning the, the soccer world, what if we're looking at him in the wrong way? What if we, we, we expect him to be the goal scorer when what he really is is a really good point guard? He's a really good distributor of the ball. And yeah. I'll tell you what doesn't help him, Philly. In only nine matches with the Uruguayan national team against some of the top competition, he's also scored three goals. With the under-20s for Uruguay, he had six goals in only 19 matches. So he scores on the national level. I don't know of another player who scores and scores on the national level the way he does, but doesn't perform in a match. 
I think they need to start looking at him, whoever is going to take him next, and I'm sure Penyarol will, as a, as a guy who sets things up, as a playmaker, not necessarily a goal scorer. And whatever that's worth, I think Brian's really good at that. But that being said, I don't think we're going to see him back in LAFC anytime soon. Philly, let's do a very quick LAFC X player roundup. I've done a uh, a whole work up on all of the different players who used to be in black and gold that are still playing in Major League Soccer. And let's talk about the resurgence really quickly of Minnesota United. They have changed their keeper from the former forward Madison Flamingo Dane St. Clair to Tyler Miller. And Tyler Miller has had two shutouts this week. That's right. <laughs> Minnesota had two matches one on Wednesday and one on Saturday. And Tyler Miller did not give up a goal in either of them. Five saves against Vancouver, two saves against Dallas. I'm not advocating bringing back Tyler Miller. Pablo Cisniega has played so well for us this season. Didn't really have to do a lot today in terms of saves he should have made. I don't blame Pablo on either of the goals today. But Tyler has only started two matches, 180 minutes, zero goals. Eat your heart out, Gordon Bombay. Minnesota's got a new miracle, man. (laughs) Bradley Wright Phillips came off the bench for the final 17 minutes in Columbus's 2-0 loss to Toronto and then played the final 24 minutes in Columbus's second shutout loss of the week. It did not look great uh, in either of those matches. He's played 41 minutes this week. Not a lot came of it. Christian Ramirez scored a goal. That's right, everybody. Pick your chairs back up. Have a seat back down. Put your headphones back in. Christian Ramirez scored a goal. (laughs) He came out to close out the final 21 minutes in Houston's 1-0 win over Sporting on Wednesday, but he would start Houston's second match of the week, a 3-1 loss against the Rapids, where he played the first 60 minutes, scoring their only goal. Adrian Perez played, Andy Nahar played, and Andy Nahar did not get hurt. He played 90 minutes seemingly without injury while Adrian notched an assist on DC's only goal before coming out with five minutes left in their one nothing win over Chicago. And in their second game of the week, Andy Nahar didn't play because you don't want to tax him too much. And Adrian played the first 64 minutes before coming off for Ola Kamara. That match was against uh, Orlando, and Joao Moutinho started and played the full 90. Two more to go. Stop me if you've heard this before. Walker Zimmerman started, played the full 90 in another Nashville clean sheet. This, a riveting 0-0 draw against Real Salt Lake, as Philly likes to call them. And finally, Kenneth Vermeer. That's right. Kenneth Vermeer started in goal for, good luck, you'll need it, FC Cincinnati, as Cincy opened their new park, TQL Stadium. Unfortunately, Cincy is still awful, and despite four saves from Kenneth Vermeer and the fact that they equalized in the 82nd minute, Cincy loses 3-2 to Beckham FC, and that is the LAFC former player roundup. Got a quick question for all of the millions. And millions. Out there. Is this a segment? The former LAFC player roundup. Is this a segment that we should keep? Haven't heard any feedback on it yet. Is it a segment that you just skip over until we get to the game recap? I would love to know. Philly would love to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Hit us up at Defenders of the Bank on Instagram or Defend the Bank on Twitter and let us know if you want us to keep the LAFC X player roundup so you can hear what our players are doing in Major League Soccer, just in case you don't follow the entire league. And Philly, I think we've left the Band-Aid on long enough. Let's rip it off and let's talk about 
this I, I, I like to call it listless in Seattle, but I don't know how you feel about that. Well, for me, it was like sleeping during the first half in Seattle because I did take a nap during that first half. You, you actually did. I was shocked. I looked over and Philly was taking a nap. It was a long day. It's been a long weekend. And it was a snooze fest of a first half with all of three key events, which we will cover relatively quickly as far as the recap is concerned. To start the recap, we obviously have to talk about the player availability report. In terms of players that were out, Mahala who as a result of his match uh, with the Las Vegas Lights, he took a knock on the knee. He was out for the match. And Eric Duenas still out with a right ankle that seems to be long-lasting than just a knock. We, uh, a couple of people hit us up. We were wondering why Mahala ended up playing for the Vegas I keep wanting to call them the Golden Knights, and it's the Las Vegas Lights. True. It's, the rhyming scheme is there, so that's, that's kind of clever. Figuring out that Mahala was going to be featuring over the course of the week led me to believe that we were going to see Carlos Vela. Let Mahala get more minutes was the idea. He's young. He's durable. He's not going to get hurt. Guess what? He got hurt. He got hurt. But prior to him getting hurt, he almost had one heck of a goal. Opportunity. He caught, trapped the ball off his chest, went for a bicycle kick, just missed it to the right. But that had the potential to be an outstanding goal. Needless to say, that wasn't the case. So Mahala... Did not play. And we're still waiting on an update in terms of his injury. So Yeah, and real quick, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Danny Musovsky, who scored the first goal of the LAFC Las Vegas Lights era. It was on a PK. Unfortunately, Vegas lost last week 3-1. But we got our first goal, at least. We were shut out 5 nothing in our first match. And, and Philly, you know, we talked about this a little bit, and we'll just touch on it real quick. Players like Bryce Duke and Mahala have looked really, really good for Las Vegas, at least as much as you can when your team is being outscored 8-1 through the first two matches. But I think this is exactly what those players need. The Bryce Dukes of the world, the Quadua Pokus of the world. Being able to know that no one's coming for your spot off the bench if you play well. Yes, it's for the USL, not for MLS, but still, it will get these players confidence. Bryce Duke needs minutes. Mahala needs minutes, and they're not going to find them in the first team. Who are you going to start Bryce Duke over right now? Edward Archuesta? Nope. Mark Anthony Kay? Nope. Latif Blessing? Nope. Jose Cifuentes? Nope. I mean, look. Mark Anthony K actually played really well today. Edward Atuesta seemed a little off, but he was still fine. Latif was doing Latif things for most of at least the first half. Didn't really talk about him too much in the second. So he's not going to get minutes. He's not going to get minutes. And he's probably not going to get minutes over Pancho Ginella, who we just found out we're paying over half a million dollars to, versus Bryce Duke. So, Yeesh. you know, I'm stoked that LAFC has this relationship now with the lights. It hasn't really worked out well so far. But the other good thing, Philly... Who was on the questionable list for this match? Absolutely nobody. 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 <laughs> I, I thought you were going to take that and run with it because... Oh, I was just going to say nobody because there was nothing to talk about. Because there's nobody on the list. But there's a huge thing to talk about. Carlos Vela's not on the list. Yeah. He Nobody's... did not make the list. <laughs> I love it so much. We Hardest got no Carlos. Chris Jericho. There well you done. Go. We, we got no Carlos Vela on the list, which means he's healthy enough to maybe feature. He'll feature. Don't worry. So let's get into Seattle's roster, Philly. Seattle with the 5-3-2, and they are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. No one's going to feel bad for him at the top of the table in the West, but no Stefan Fry, no Jordi Delem, no Josh Atencio, who led the league in running for the first two weeks. And the big one for them, in addition to Fry being a big one, I mean, the guy has played like 80, 90 matches in a row for this club, no Nico Lodiero. 
the MLS Messi, as I like to to kind of call him. He is oh, he bold. is he is an incredibly That's creative. Bold, yeah, but I mean, he, he's creative in an attacking way that I just he's so much fun to watch. I mean, maybe MLS Messi is a little bit too much, but yeah. whatever. He's he's real, real, real good. I really like watching Nico Lodiero play, not when he's playing against LAFC, but. No Lodiero out there, so I thought it'd be a little bit of a problem getting that engine going for Seattle. Turns out that wasn't the case. Seattle fielding another veteran lineup. They do that game in and game out. Their only real inexperienced player, though, wearing the Mickey Mouse mitts, it is <laughs> Stefan Cleveland. <laughs> oh, boy! Not Stefan Fry. Stefan Cleveland, his first match for Seattle, his last MLS action was in 2018 where he started five matches for Chicago, winning one, drawing one, and losing three. And to put it very simply in this match, Cleveland rocked. He, he did pretty well. He didn't have to make a, any tough saves, to be perfectly honest. Wasn't really tested all that much. Atuesta got him for one that was a, a pretty good rocket, but he saw it the entire way. It went right to him. Yeah, but it was Cleveland in goal for Seattle. Brad Smith knew who Xavier Ariaga, Yamar Gomez Andrade, who we affectionately call the problem, and he certainly was for LAFC today, and Alex Roldan, all five starting on the back line. Christian Roldan, Joao Paulo, Kellen Rowe, Raul Rui Diaz, the LAFC killer, who has now not scored in his last two matches against LAFC, which is actually a bit of news, and the former Indiana Hoosier, I don't know why I'm setting him up for this, Will Bruin rounds out the starting lineup. Philly, what about LAFC? Would Carlos Vela start the match? Since you brought it up, Indiana's playing for the national title on Monday against Marshall. <laughs> Go Hoosiers. In terms of the starting lineup for your LAFC, a lineup which we predicted, Pablo Cisniega, Marco Farfan, Eddie Segura, Jose David Murillo, Tristan Blackman rounding out the back line, your midfield, Mark Anthony Kay, Edward Atuesta, Latif, the Energizer Bunny Blessing, Jose Cifuentes, Diego, I scored the first goal against the Sounders, Rossi, and Corey Baird. In, on, the bench, Chiki Palacios, Kim Moon Juan, Danny the Moose, Tony Leone, Jordan Harvey, Thomas Romero, Pancho Janela, Bryce Duke, and the King has returned. Carlos Vela making a very rare appearance on the bench. In fact, I want to say it's the first time he started on the bench since he came back from the World Cup and came off the bench against Orlando that first season in 2018. Seeing him on the bench was a breath of fresh air. Didn't know how much he would play. We'll talk about that momentarily. But that is the lineup for LAFC. Let's get into the first half. Yeah, so the first real chance for LAFC came off a turnover to Latif Blessing. I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes of the match, Latif Blessing was the difference maker. His long shot was blocked, but I love that he was taking it. Five minutes in, Latif draws another foul as what we saw for at least the first 30, 35 minutes. LAFC pressing really high, but in the sixth minute, you see what can happen when you press that high. LAFC got caught, but luckily enough, Seattle flubbed the opportunity. It was a 2v1 with Raul Ruiz Diaz playing off the ball, and I thought for sure they were going to find him with it. But luckily, the other player for Seattle could not control the ball, so we were able to get back on defense. 
And in the ninth minute, a great ball by Mark Anthony K to Corey Baird in the box. But the problem, Yamar Gomez Andrade was one, and he flicked it away at the last moment. Ten minutes in Philly, and the first corner goes to Seattle. And it was it was all set up off of a long pass by Stephen Cleveland. He found Christian Roldan, made a nice run to earn the corner, and just like that, and what we saw time and time again, Seattle was able to flip the field in a hurry. Without a doubt, without a doubt, the rest of the match didn't really see too many attempts. A couple of shots blocked here and there. We had a couple of fouls. We had a couple of missed attempts. We had an offside here and there, a, a, a yellow card. That was one of the key events that happened within the first half. But the first true attempt outside of that Corey Baird shot happened by way, towards the end of the first half, by a brilliant pass from Roldan. It found a sprinting, a sprinting Brad Smith, the Australian. Who would have thought that that man could out-sprint Latif Blessing? You watch that replay again. He's coming out of nowhere, sprinting. He gets a dime drop to his foot, wide open, Boy, did he flub that one. He kicked it to a land down under because it certainly wasn't on pace for a goal. That was a scary moment. And towards the end, I mentioned that yellow card. Towards the end of the first half, it was Joao Paulo showing a yellow card. Look, there were three real key events within the course of the first half. You know, that, that's what MLS says. But there were a couple things that really had me worried for LAFC. I'm going to be honest. In the 22nd minute, Jesus David Murillo thwarted a cross but Seattle turned it around in a hurry. The corner for Seattle led to a relatively easy gather by Pablo. But again, we saw how quickly they were able to turn it. And in the 25th minute, just a couple minutes later, Seattle lurking. But it was a good scramble by Murillo in the 25th minute to help LAFC get possession right back. But the big one in the 28th minute, Christian Roldan serving it into the box to a streaking veteran Will Bruin. And really, he pushes his header high over the bar. I just thought the better chances, Philly, throughout that first half, all of them went to Seattle. We just couldn't find any creativity, any life in and around the box. If I were teaching soccer 101 and this is the pass you make to make the next pass, sure, that's what we did, but it was so incredibly predictable. Honestly, I don't think Seattle was out of sorts at all on any of our backline plays. I don't think we did anything that was unexpected. In all honesty, I think we are who they thought we were coming into the match. I don't think there was anything at all that took them by surprise. 0-0 zero, zero at the half, the better chances going to Seattle. Yeah, but, but no shots on target. Zero shots on target for the five shots that they, they attempted. LAFC, at the very least, had that one on target by Corey Baird, despite only having four shots. Look, we could talk about possession, LAFC out-possessed. Their passing accuracy was this. They didn't create any chances, though. Nope. Seattle really had the one really nice chance that was created, but still, no shots on target. Look, for lack of a better term, it was a snooze fest of a first half. Not a whole lot went on. It wasn't very exciting. The real action occurred in the second half, and it didn't take long for that 0-0 de- goose egg of a score to change. Yeah, you know, let's talk about first the yellow on Yamar. I thought that this would have been a perfect opportunity. Philly, you grew up as a basketball player, right? In the NBA, 
one of their star players, one of the guys who's really giving you trouble out there on the floor. We saw it today. We were watching the Golden State game against Memphis. It was Dylan Brooks for Memphis, got his fifth foul, and they went right back at him. So he picked up his sixth. He was out of the game. That took Memphis out of the game. Golden State won, winning away. Yamar Gomez Andrade, a yellow card, and it was a well-deserved yellow. It shouldn't have been a red. He didn't lead with his elbow. He didn't really (laughs) even try to do all that much. But the man is built out of redwood and tree trunk. So unfortunately, Atuesta went flying. He earned a yellow. (laughs) 52 minutes, Philly. (laughs) We had 38 minutes to go after him, and we never did after that. Dude, I mean, good point. I mean, he went flying because, I mean, Yamar from like behind, he went for like an Undertaker choke slam. He had his hands around Atuesta's neck, okay. practically choking his carotid artery. I don't think any of that actually happened. He had his hand on his throat. That's the reason why Atuesta fell to the ground. I, I, it was an incidental play. It's not like he was looking to do it purposely. He was just looking to push off and get some space to advance on the ball. But, I mean, you saw that replay. He had his arm right around his throat man you, you you squeeze a little bit that cuts off your air pipes and makes it tough to breathe sure Atuesta might have like embellished it a little bit but why not but there's no doubt that they wanted a, they wanted a red they wanted a red but the yellow was was respectfully awarded look you want to talk about keyword. you want to talk about cutting off our air pipes how about the 57th minute we had a great play by Sifu who got a header on target just before this but it was a pretty comfortable save for Cleveland But just a minute later, off of a corner, Seattle finds the first one. Ariaga's header finding the back of the net. The frustrating part, Philly, and and Warren Barton, who you and I have both had a chance to meet a couple of times, a brilliant soccer mind, the legend of Newcastle. (laughs) At one point, the most expensive defender in the world. I feel like I've heard him and others say this before. Why don't we have somebody on the The back post? Far post, yep. Because... Even if the shot didn't find target, Philly, Raul Ruiz Diaz sneaking in there a la Chicharito to poach the goal almost uncontested, but the ball found the back of the net either way. Xavier Ariaga with the goal. And look, we've defended set pieces really well. Philly, you've talked about it on the podcast this season. I believe it's our, what, our first goal given up on set pieces. Yeah, we were, we were. Battle, we were batting a thousand up to this point. It was inevitable to, at some point this season that we were going to concede off a set piece, but Barton said it took the words right out of, out of our thought processes. Nobody on the far post and, and, and Ariaga gets his first goal in, in his Sounders career. One nothing, an unfortunate set of circumstances. And up to that point, look, we were sleeping in Seattle. 61st minute, Atuesta had a shot. Yep. And, uh, Cleveland, made a really cavalier-like save on it. I, I was just trying to like have a fun play I, I on see words. What you did with I, I clearly flubbed on that Cavaliers one. Yeah, he was he was very cavalier about yeah. a save, Mr. Mr. Grover Cleveland. I, I mean, look, it was It went right to him, I know. I was it, just it, trying to be happy. But it was a rocket though by Alcuesta. Oh, yeah. If he doesn't field it completely cleanly, that's a rebound we might have had at least a chance at putting another one back on sure. target. But that being said, how many times have you and I said it? It seems to be like only Edward Atuesta that's willing to take some of these shots from the outside. That one perfectly on target. We did seem like we took a few more. But, you know, I, I really had a problem with Marco Farfan today. I didn't think he played very well. Oh, there's one play in, that pissed me off. several different chances that he had today. In the 62nd minute, I, I like saying this phrase, so I'll say it again. Boo, blue team. That's right. The blue team, which would be the referees missing an easy ball off of Brad Smith, and now we have to defend another corner. But luckily, 
we found our composure. Mario was really upset, kind of throwing a fit, and I thought, oh, God, here comes the perfect time for them to find a second goal. And 2 nothing. obviously, I'm not saying anything that's rocket science here, is a very different feeling game than one nothing. And by the way, don't worry, we'll get there in a minute. But Mario found his composure four minutes later, broke up a cross, and in the 70th minute, Philly, cue the Lion King quote, you said it already, the king has returned. The King and the Moose coming off the bench, subbing in for Sifu and for, for Corey Baird. And now we've got our, our three boys up on top. We've got Danny the Moose, we have Carlos Vale, we have Diego Rossi. Is this going to be the turnaround? Are we going to rely on Carlos Vela to turn things around? It's going to be exciting. He was heavy on his first touch. But two minutes after that sub came in, after these subs came in, Farfan gets the ball in the box. He had a wide open look to move forward and maybe take a shot at Cleveland. He didn't even look to take a shot. He immediately kicked that ball out of the box. And as a result of that, a couple of plays later, a textbook-like goal, 73rd minute, Brad Smith. We talked about Ariaga getting his first Sounders goal. Well, Brad Smith, in the previous match against LAFC, got his first goal. What is it with the Seattle Sounders getting their first goal against LAFC? An amazing pass caught, uh, made by, by Alex Roldan, his second assist of the season, the third goal of the season for Brad Smith. And if you look at that play from start to finish, it doesn't get any prettier in football. It doesn't get any prettier in MLS than that. That was probably one of the best team goals we have seen in a while. So despite Carlos Vela coming in and us getting rejuvenated and excited, they concede a goal two to nothing now. The frustrating part, Philly, is that it came from a an unnecessary turnover by Marco Farfan, who I didn't think played well. Shot the at freaking all. ball. And then they string together five or six passes in a row. It wasn't even ticky-tacky. It was long passes. It was gorgeous. It was a really good buildup, and it's not something we've done in the past few games. Really, really frustrating because the other thing that it did, Philly, man, it took all the wind, it seemed like, out of LAFC's sails. You mentioned it. We just had Carlos come in, and we felt like there might be a little bit of an energy switch there in the match. 74th minute, Carlitos took the corner, just missing the head of Jesus David Murillo. So I like that we're running him on this sort of back post or maybe even, you know, inside the 18, kind of a header play with our defender there. That was really good, but I got really frustrated with LAFC over the next couple of minutes. You had LAFC, who literally stopped playing before they heard the whistle in the 76th minute. LAFC, look, it's a poker term, right? They were playing on tilt, it seemed like, since that 72nd-minute goal. Will Bruin forcing a save from Pablo, and I appreciate Will Bruin kicking it right to Pablo Cisniega because, let's be honest, even Will Bruin kind of wasn't sure what LAFC was doing there on the defensive end. Don't know how Will Bruin missed that one. Don't know how Brad Smith didn't put one on target earlier. It really could have been 3 nothing or 4 nothing at the end of this match. I did like what Bob was trying to do at the end there in the 77th minute, Philly, when we saw Cheeky and Moon coming in for Farfan and Tristan. I did not, and I've said this over and over again, I'll say it one more time, didn't see anything I like from Marco Farfan today. And and Tristan, he didn't do anything poorly today. I just don't he think he really did anything. did anything. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. As far as uh, the rest of the game goes, 82nd minute, 
Diego gets the Diego Rossi had the uh, the ball in the box. He got swarmed. Another frustrating thing. Like if he even tried to make an attempt, he could have deflected it off some of the defenders. He could have been awarded a corner kick right there. There is something in the mentality of these boys that is preventing them from taking shots while in the box. The far fan situation, another one. How in the heck does somebody get the ball in the box and immediately look to pass? Take a shot, man. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. We've said this on countless occasions. At the very least, there's an opportunity that can be created. If you don't make the goal, so what? Maybe you catch a garbage goal off of a rebound. Maybe you get Cleveland to get his hand on the ball. Maybe it slips and all of a sudden you got Rossi there. You got Vela there. You got anybody there to make an attempt to try to just, just kick the ball into the back of the net. You're not going to get those opportunities. Flood the box. Pressure the keeper. We're not, we're not doing that. Sure, we're possessing the ball. Sure, we're creating chances. Three shots on target over the course of, of 90 minutes. It should be more with the type of offense that we play. And it's, it's been beyond frustrating. The silver lining, and the game ends 2 nothing. The silver lining, we can say as well, you know, our only two losses are against the top two teams in the Western Conference. Arguably, the, maybe the top two teams in MLS. Blech. But the fact that we are not one of the top two teams in the game is really what sucks. We've officially hit rock bottom in the West, and there are only two teams that are worse than us. Are we a doormat team in the West? Are we a doormat team in Major League Soccer? No, absolutely not. But this is where we are at this point. In reality, the true silver lining is there's only one direction to go from where we are right now, and that's up because we are sitting in dead last. 12th place in the Western Conference, only two teams worse than us in the league. Look, let's talk about two other quick moments as we close out this match. In the 85th minute, Carlos Vela went down with a foul, and I threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> I, it was one of those things where I was like, oh my God, get up, get up, get up. Okay, you're going to be fine. Must have blocked, and, suppressed that memory And for that me. got me thinking about something, though, Philly. It uh, got me thinking about, is this now for at least the next few matches until we see a full 90 from him. Is this how I'm going to be feeling every time some sort of physical contact comes Carlos Vela's way? Because let's be honest, he didn't hurt himself physically against another player. He hurt himself kind of stretching for a long pass and looked like he kind of caught his cleat in the turf or whatever it was. I'm just a little worried about the fragility of Carlitos right now. And look, he only played in seven matches last year. only played 22 minutes so far this year. So it's okay for us to be a little shell-shocked and us to be worried about the health and maybe the fragility of Carlos Vela. I just, I had to mention it only because my heart was in my throat at the time. We did earn a set piece out of that, by the way. And we did. And Moose just couldn't get on the other end of that one. So it was a good set piece. You want Cleveland to, did get a hand on it. You want to feel old, Philly. Oh, great. In the second minute of stoppage time for Seattle, Reed Baker Whiting, born in 2005. <laughs> graduated college that year. 2005 is when he made he made his major league debut for Seattle today, born in 2005. Gross. I mean, congrats to the kid. I do want to mention, though, what I liked. He only played what was it, 28 minutes, 23 minutes, actually. Excuse me, I can do math. 13 minutes. Don't worry, it's late. He only played 13 minutes. But what I saw from Kim Moon Hwan was pretty good. 
I really liked Moon. He had a couple of different times, a 1v1 versus Raul Ruiz Diaz on the back post where Moon was able to screen him off. And in the 89th minute, a nice job by Moon. He played through some contact, stayed with the hit. His cross was dealt with by, by Andrade, and Andrade was so good in this match. He really was. He was the problem like we've seen from him previously. But I really liked what I saw from Moon. And Philly, I'm curious... You just mentioned your thoughts. Uh, was that your, your thoughts after the match, your thoughts in general? I'm curious to know your thoughts as, as we close out what was a very frustrating 2 nothing game to watch. What, what I'll say in another thing, so a problem child that, Seattle, that we always had with Seattle is Raul Ruiz Diaz. You mentioned that he didn't score in this game. He didn't score in the previous game. Raul Ruiz Diaz, one of the most dangerous, dangerous players in Major League Soccer. One of the top scorers... Number three, I think, in terms of Seattle Sounders history in a very short period of time. Freddie Montero's the leader with 49 goals. Clint Dempsey's got 47. I think Rui Diaz, a writer in the 40s, but just underneath Clint Dempsey. We shut him down. We shut him down. Coming into this matchup, the guy had 26 shots with 11 being on target. Raul Rui Diaz did not take a single shot within the course of the game. We shut him down. The problem was that left the door open for players such as Will Bruin and Brad Smith to take, uh, to take their opportunities. And as a result of that, Brad Smith scores and, and Ariaga gets his first goal of his Sounders career. So we were able to shut down one of the most dangerous weapons in Major League Soccer. But we also allowed players that we would normally not look at to, to make their mark in a game. So, so there is that aspect of things. Some of our boys did play pretty well. Edward Atuesta had the most touches on LAFC with 82. Latif Blessing, our best passer, our best passer. He had 51 touches. He made 31 passes, nearly 97%. So there were some good things. Our midfield did okay. But the problem is, if you're maintaining possession, if you're taking shots, if you're creating opportunities, right? The chances that were really created were done by Edward Atuesta. And believe it or not, Jose Cifuentes. None of our forwards really created any chances. None. Not Diego Rossi. Not Carlos Vela. Not Corey Baird. No chances were created by either of them. All the chances were created in the midfield. You can't maintain possession. You can't take shots. And, and you can't convert. Because it's philosophy at the end of the day. Who cares how long you've held on to the ball? Who cares how well you pass the ball? Who cares how beautiful the football is? I don't like, I don't care about losing pretty. I'd rather win ugly. And so that's just, we, we just need to take shots, man. If we could create the opportunities, just take the shots. That's, that's the thing that's been frustrating. I want to echo the words of Vince LaRosa. We're playing in like second, third gear. Our, our feet stuck in the mud. The, the, they're not winning individual battles on the ball. We're not going to measure them based on their, uh, their desire, their, their, their hard work, their effort. They're just, there's just something not right. And I, and I can't put my finger on it. I, I just can't. Not, not at this point. Is, is, there's a, is there an issue in the locker room? Is there an issue with what Bob wants? Are the players not clicking? There's just something off about this team. And I know we can't rely on the past performances because as we've said many a time, past performance is not indicative of future results. But it's just frustrating knowing that we can be so much better than we are. Everybody knows it. Us. The supporters, the pundits, hell, even Alexei Lalas. Everybody knows we're better than what we are. How the hell are we in 12th place? That's what I just, I don't understand and I can't comprehend. Well, we're actually in 13th place. Just to uh, correct that there, we've only got 13 teams in the West and we're looking up 
at every single last one of them that isn't us. I stand corrected, 13th. There you go. Lucky number 13. There you go. Uh, Raul Ruiz is, by the way, the third leading scorer in Seattle history. 47 goals over 71 matches. Clint Dempsey, 57 and 136. And Freddie Montero with 62 and 163 matches. But that's neither here nor there. I, I have a couple thoughts, and then we'll begin to wrap all of this up. Bob seems to at least be trying some things to help us break us out of this offensive rut. But nothing is working. One of the biggest frustrations from a lot of fans on the LAFC fans page over the first three years or so has been Bob's, not inability, but his his choice not to move out of a 4-3-3. And yet what we've seen very often this season, especially in this match, playing two up top for most of the time, he is trying new formations. He is trying different permutations of the lineup. It's just that nothing is helping right now. Pressing high seemed to serve us well in the first half, but we abandoned it. I'm kind of wondering what it would look like if we press like that with our current roster. Once everybody is healthy in that 4-3-3, what if we pressed like that some more? What we saw, and I think Warren Barton even commented on it during the match, we're missing that like third or fourth pass that kind of strings it all together. Either we're not leading the next man or the man doesn't make the right cut or whatever it is, not running in the same lane. We're just missing that one extra pass that seems to be lacking for us inside the box on the offensive end, whatever it might be. We are in very uncharted waters for our young club. Dead last in the West. You mentioned it, 25th out of 27 in Major League Soccer. Behind Dallas, behind the newly emergent Tyler Miller-led Minnesota, Obviously behind everyone else yet. I don't think it's time to panic. No, but we, you can be. We could definitely be angry. Yeah, I don't think it's time to panic yet. But it's definitely time for Bob now to go back to the drawing board. Now that he has a a more complete set of tools at his disposal. But my last thought, Philly, for this match and for our season so far. My last thought, however, is this: for the first time this season, for twenty whole minutes. We had Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi out there at the same time. Rossi, look, he looked awful tonight. Didn't look good. Couldn't get anything started. You mentioned it. Didn't generate a single chance. But now, with the band pretty much back together, personally, I think our season restarts right now. We are only, what, five matches into the season. We got 29 matches left to play. 29 matches. And Philly... Over the next four matches, we have everything we need set up for us right now to have a very successful four-game homestand. That's right. Our next four matches are at home, and they are against four opponents who traditionally haven't fared the best against LAFC. Yes, NYCFC have played us tough, but we've never lost to them. Now, Philly, I'm sure you'll come back with, we've never beaten them. Correct. Right? But look, we've never lost to them. We've always played tough matches. Colorado and Houston, much improved, sure, but they don't strike fear in us. If Colorado and Houston are coming to the bank, I'm not sure we're all that worried. And Dallas, look, Dallas has lost both their road matches already this season, so clearly they're having a little trouble translating all that young talent they have to winning on the road. And also, the big thing is this, Philly, we'll have plenty of time to rest We play on back-to-back Saturdays coming up, first on the 22nd against Colorado, and then on the 29th against LAFC. But Philly, we have three weeks off after that NYCFC match, an 8 p.m. match against Houston on June 19th. 
That gives us time to get everybody on the same page. As Chris Berman would say, we need to circle the wagons. We need to right the ship. We need to make some improvements, not necessarily over these next two weeks, although we're sure Bob is going to be working on plenty of things in training, but it's really that three-week window that we have to get everybody in training together, to get everybody on the same page, everybody healthy and ready to play as full of a 90 minutes as we can. We do have a little bit of a gauntlet after that three-week break. We've got Houston on June 19th, Dallas four days later at home on June 23rd, and then we travel to Sporting for at June 26th. So we have three games in eight days. But again, first two of them are at home. And I'm not too worried about Houston and Dallas, to be perfectly honest. It's a manageable schedule that should allow our club, Philly, to get fully healthy and on the same offensive page. I will say this. If after those four matches, we don't take at least, at least 10 points, 10, that's three wins and a draw, I think it's time for LAFC to look themselves in the mirror and figure out who we really are right before the July transfer window. That's fair. Colorado, May 22nd, is the next game. 67% of the bank will be filled at that point. Where we're all sitting, well, we're we're only going to find out. And if you got that email, apparently you have between 9 and 11 tomorrow or this morning, whenever you're listening to to this podcast, to make your seed selection. If we can't beat Colorado, if we get shut out by Colorado, look, we got shut out by Seattle today. So first time we got shut out by a team since September of, of last season. Yeah, it was that 15 matches in a row we had scored. Yeah, and, and, and oddly enough, it was, again, it was against Seattle. Look, Seattle's off to their best start in club history. We tied them with a very lackluster roster. And it's not easy to win on the road. It really isn't. But we're playing at home in Bank of California Stadium, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold. You're right. It's not panic time. The only thing that guts me is this is a really crappy 50th birthday present for Mike Sorber. Mike Sorber, assistant head coach, turned 50. God, that would have been a great gift for him to win on the road against Seattle. That is not the case. Seattle, best start in club history. LAFC, worst start in club history. Only one way to go is up. Four-game home stretch. Colorado, May 22nd. Should be a good one. Should be a good one. I'd have nothing more to say in regards to this. I feel like we've exercised these demons and commiserated enough. I got nothing more to say. I got one more. I really like the pride practice kit. I really like it a lot. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I I ordered mine already. Billy, you better get on it and order yours. Oh, for sure. Rumor has it. We may be hearing about another jersey coming out kind of soon. Maybe having to do with parlay. We'll Something see. with the oceans. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We don't know. But but we need to score goals, Philly. Yeah. Not, not you and I. Not you and I. We don't play for the team. I mean, I, we, I mean, I looked we at need the, to accomplish our goals. I looked at the salaries list. I didn't see us on there, unfortunately. Yeah. But the other thing is this. As we close out this episode, episode 146, listless in Seattle, goalless in Seattle. I fell asleep fr- watching Seattle. Frustrated in Seattle. The other thing is this. It's going to show our club who the true supporters are. Being a true supporter does not mean that you're not upset right now. It does not mean that you're not angry right now. It does not mean that you're not frustrated right now. But it does mean we support our club. It is in the times that it is hardest to support your club that your support matters most. 
It's also the hardest time for you to give it. And here's the thing. I heard some of those words of wisdom from a Galaxy fan. A Galaxy fan. When I was at the match in Carson, we were going back and forth. His main reply is, well, you lost today. And my response to that was, you're correct. But he said, but I applaud you for still supporting your team because let me tell you what the last six years was like for being a Carson fan. And he was miserable, but he said, that's how we figured out who our true supporters are. Well, we're in a midst of run here where we're about to figure out who some of the true supporters are. And I don't question 99% of you out there that are wearing black and gold and showing up at the bank and, and everything that we need to do to be supporters. But let's remember that this is our club representing our city. Now, right now, they're not playing our style of football that we would want, but they are still ours. And Philly, like you and I talk about all the time being Metropolitan fans, sometimes it sucks to support your club, but you love them anyway. And this was a match, Philly, where it really sucked. Yeah, we get labeled as plastic fans by by the other L.A. team. And to read you the definition, a plastic fan is a sports fan who supports a certain team just because of their glory. Plastic fans will usually have little to no knowledge of their preferred club and will get overly defensive when you point out their lack of it. Please cite your source. I like that. Uh, it is Urban Dictionary. Ah, Urban Dictionary. Good urban old dictionary. Urban Dictionary. So we're not plastic fans. What We're not glory chasers. We maybe got a little spoiled by the fact that LAFC did as well as they did initially, but I'm sure a lot of you would still be here regardless because you didn't buy into the club because of a, a, a phenomenal team with, with history of trophy. You, you bought into something that was legitimately could legitimately be considered yours, and, and you got in from the ground zero, and you bought into the community. We need to stick together right now, block by block, street by street, shoulder by shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. We, that's what we need to do right now because things suck and misery loves company as we started off the saying in the beginning of the podcast. So maybe rougher times are ahead of us. I don't know. But at the same time we stick together, we'll, we'll get through this one way or another. And if we can't get through Colorado, <laughs> Dallas, Houston, some of these other clubs at home, yeah, then we got problems. But until then, we're just on high alert. Not angry, yeah, a little angry. Not panicking, maybe a little panicking. But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. I will say this, Sunday night games are awful. Why? <laughs> because, well, you know, we're starting off the week with a sour taste on our mouths. If you're going to do a Sunday game, make it a noon game. So at least we have the rest of the day to kind of get over this. We're going to go to bed in somewhat of a murky mood. Waking up tomorrow. Let's be clear. We're not going to bed together. You're going back to your house, and I'm going back to my house. I just want to make that clear. I mean, thank you. Yes, that that was the assumption that I had, too. And, Philly, I think you got the uh, 42 Originals pretty excited when you said we're on high alert right now. I think... uh, (laughs) I think they might be the only ones that aren't too upset about this as of right now. We need to join the 42 Originals after this match. Oh, my goodness. It was rough. But, look, LAFC faithful, the millions. And millions. We will be back for episode 147 talking about, hopefully, a three-point victory against Colorado. The first time that the bank will be 67% 
full. We hope to see 67% of you guys there. We are going to make it nice and loud. I thought even though we were at 20% Philly, the bank was still nice and loud for parts of our matches. So it's going to be great seeing 67% out there. And again, just a quick PSA. If you haven't gotten your vaccine yet, you don't need to wait for an appointment anymore. You just show up to a lot of these sites. You can get your shot. You can get back to the bank as soon as you're fully vaccinated. And then you could have different shots. That's right. With us. And you know how we like to end each and every one of our 146 episodes, even though sometimes LAFC plays like crap. Bye-bye.